Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Good. I hope you all had a great Fourth of July week holiday. Um, uh, if you did anything like I did, uh, you you celebrated Fourth of July, right? I laid on my couch and I watched World War II movies all day. That is the perfect way to celebrate Fourth of July, and then a little bit of fireworks at the end. But that is that is the way to celebrate Fourth of July. So hope you all had a, a wonderful Fourth of July holiday. Um, Pastor Joseph is out of town. He'll be back this Friday, so uh, you can tell him how much you missed him uh, when you see him next Sunday. But uh, he is him, Miriam, Elise, and uh, his mother-in-law Maddie. They are having a wonderful time in Switzerland. We keep getting pictures and videos, all the stuff that they're doing. Um, he went um, parachuting. I think, uh, off the side of a mountain. That was pretty cool. Um, he's done some really cool stuff. See, he sends us pictures of the scenery. Um, it is beautiful. I'm very jealous. So, um, uh, Sarah and Margaret, I've changed our honeymoon destination. We're going to Switzerland. Um, so, uh, it, is, it is so beautiful over there. Um, and he's just really having a good time. It's a good time for him to kind of uh, relax and rest and a good time for um, the family as well. So, you know, tell them how much you missed them um, when, you, when you see them. But I want to ask you a question, start out with a question. Have you ever thought about your name before? Like, really thought about it? Like, most of you know, my name is Josiah. Um, my parents, you know, named me that. At least I hope they named me that. Um, but they named me Josiah. And so when I asked them uh, when I was a kid, like, why did you name me Josiah, like, why's that my name? They were like, well, because, you know, we thought it was a neat name. Josiah was the youngest king in uh, Israel and in Scripture. And I'm like, so you're telling me I'm going to be a king, right? Uh, And if so, I've got a lot of potential to live up to um, in order to fulfill uh, this name. But as I got older, I did more study and more research, you know, as, as you do when you're curious, about my name, and in Hebrew, the name Josiah literally translates to um, God will support or God will help. And it really hit home with me when I found that out because there have been times in my life where I can look back and I can see that God has helped me or supported me through something, and it really resonates with me um, that my name means that because now I think about that all the time. I'm like, when I see God moving and God helping me in something, I can, I can really say He is helping me. And it really resonates with me. Um, there was this really old um, play writer uh, named Shakespeare, William Shakespeare. You all probably know him. He, he did a little, little something here and there. But uh, he wrote this line in one of his uh, poems, um, What's in a Name? All right, like, what's in a name? And the line in, uh, in the play is, uh, what's in a name, a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. And the context for this is, um, if you've ever read Shakespeare, it's a little hard uh, sometimes with that old English. I don't, I don't play around with the old English. But if you read through the play, uh, Romeo falls in love with this girl named Juliet, and she falls in love with him. And then they realize that their families are enemies. They don't get along. And so what Romeo is saying is, uh, if, if we were known by any other name and not associated with our families, we would still have the same love for each other. And while that may be true, Romeo is basically saying that names are just 
arbitrary. There's no, no reason to have a name. Uh, if, if they were named different, if they came from different families, they would have the same love. And while this makes sense, it's not often the case true. I mean, if you really want to think of names, uh, think of uh, Frank Zappa. Zappa? Zappa. I said Zappa the first service, and everybody got on me, so it's, it's Zappa. I learned that real quick. Um, he had some really weird names for his kids, um, and I'm, I'm not making any of this up. You can go on Wikipedia after this. This is true, okay? 100% true. Um, moon Unit and Dwizeli. Dweezel. See, I, you know, it's, it's weird. I can't, I can't get it, okay? Um, so imagine, imagine going around life saying, my name's Moon Unit. That's so weird. It's just weird. And so really what their names speak to is more of Frank Zappa's weirdness than their actual like personality and characteristic. And so um, when we think about names, they create kind of feelings and um, you know, memories and all that kind of stuff. If there's somebody that we don't like, we say their name like, oh, James. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> not against you, not against you, not against you. Um, but but we, we kind of we turn our nose up sometimes when we like hear somebody and we're like, oh, that person. But then there's also people like, uh, if I said names like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer or Adolf Hitler or uh, Saddam Hussein, those foster up negative emotions, bad memories that none of us want to kind of remember or relive. And so names are not, as Shakespeare would put it, just arbitrary things that we're given. No, they speak to who we are. They speak to our character, and they speak to us more so than that. Um, there was... Uh, <laughs> There was a um, company that was uh, hiring for a job position, and so they started uh, advertising, and so they had people coming in for interviews, and there was this young lady who came in for an interview, and the person doing the interview asked her, uh, what's your name, trying to get to know her better, and she said, my name is Lily, and he was like, okay, and trying to understand and get to know her better, he was like, so why, why is your name Lily, and she goes, um, well, uh, when, I was a, when I was a baby, my, my parents named me Lily because a lily fell from the sky and landed on my head. And he was like, okay. Uh, the next day, uh, a, a, a not-so-good-looking guy comes in uh, for an interview, and the interviewee asks, he's like, so what's your name? And the guy just looks at him and says, piano. That, that's a joke. I'm supposed to laugh at that. Okay. Um, I thought it was funny, but I guess not. Um, oh, well. So we're continuing in this series, Summer Old School, that Joseph started going through the Old Testament and looking at things. And today we're going to be looking at the names of God. And um, if you're anything like me, you're probably thinking, well, God's name is God. Or God's name is Lord. Well, that is the case in, in our English translation of the Bible, all of the names of God are translated as God or Lord or Father, but in Hebrew, there are different names associated with God, and so we're going to kind of take a look at those this morning. So, in our culture, names tell us a lot about someone, 
right? Uh, just like I said earlier, you hear somebody's name, certainly, that you don't like, and you're like, oh. But also, more than that, um, they, <laughs> names are more often the first thing that you introduce yourself with, right? Like, if, if you came for the first time this morning, I would have introduced you like, hi, I'm Josiah, what's your name? I mean, it's so important, that's how you get to know somebody. You want to associate the name with the face, and if you're anything like me, that's not easy to do. I will ask you three times what your name is before I actually get it, and that third time is because I've gone home and I've closed my eyes and I see your face and I say, your name, your name, your name, your name, and I, I repeat it over and over again until I get it, so that way the next time I come see you or that you come, come through the door, I, I see you, I can say, oh, hey, and it's not like, I know you now by your name and not just I know your face and it doesn't seem genuine. Right? We do that. We try to get to know somebody by their name. We want to know their name. And we beat ourselves up when we don't know their name. It's like, oh, I should have known their name. But names are, are so important in our, in our society. And they were even more so important uh, back in the medieval ages and even back in the Old Testament. You sit and read through uh, Scripture and names are listed. Lots of names are listed. Um, Everybody talks about how they try to read through the Bible in a year and they stop before they get to Leviticus. I think more people stop before Leviticus when they see the, the begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, because it's just name after name after name that you can't pronounce. And it's really discouraging when you're sitting there and you're reading this name and this name, and you're like, I don't know if that's right. But all of these names have different meanings. And so we're going to look at that today. Um... My, my beautiful bride-to-be is sitting here this morning. Uh, 13 days, for those of you who will ask me later, 13 days until we get married, less than two weeks. Let's go. I'm so excited. Um, I'm, re I'm just ready to be married, okay? I'm just, like, we've, we've been together three years. I'm just like, can we just, like, get married already? Like, it's, it's too long. Like, we're, re we're both ready to start our lives. She starts a new job in August, and so it's just, we're, we're ready to live our lives together. But if you know her, she goes by Sarah Margaret. Double name. Her middle name's even a double name. Elizabeth Ann. You didn't know that. So she's got five names. That's a lot of name, okay? That's a lot of name. But when you meet her, more often than not, when people meet her the first time, they come back the second time and they call her Sarah. She don't like that. Just FYI. She doesn't like that. Um... But if I try to, like, get her attention or get under her skin, I'll go on the opposite end and I'll say, hey, Margaret, she definitely doesn't like that. <laughs> Not at all, okay? So um, I'm giving you permission. At the end of the service, go up to her and say, hey, Sarah, you, can, you got my permission. Um, she, she may not like me afterwards, but, you know, there you go. Um, but... She doesn't like to be called Sarah, and it's not that there's anything wrong with the name Sarah, but she knew someone in high school with the name Sarah that she didn't really like that much and didn't want to be associated with, and so it fosters negative feelings, and she doesn't want to have those negative feelings, so she's like, don't call me Sarah. And I'm like, I will not call you Sarah unless I want to. Um, so, <laughs> but names are so important in, in just everyday life. And God wants us to understand him um, by his names. And so there are 
different names all throughout Scripture or all throughout the Old Testament that identify us with God and what he does. And so we're going to look at them uh, in, in kind of some, some light today. We're going to examine them. So the first thing I want us to look at uh, is that these names, especially back in biblical days, carried a lot of weight. And Proverbs speaks to this. In Proverbs 22, it says, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. And the thing about this is uh, what, what the writer is saying here is that uh, your name carried so much weight in the society and in the culture that uh, it was better to have a good name and be known with that good name than to have lots of wealth. Because then people would trust you, people would go to you, and it wasn't just about money. But this is, it's better to have this, a good name, than it is to have wealth. And so names didn't just distinguish or label a person. They, they were often thought to reveal the character and the true nature of that person. We see this uh, in Scripture, too. There's this guy in the book of 1 Samuel. His name is Nabal. And his name literally translate for, translates from the Hebrew, uh, fool. And we see this in 1 Samuel 25, 25, talking about Nabal. It says, he is just like his name. His name is fool, and folly goes with him. So what they were saying is his true nature and his true character speak to his name. His name is fool. He is a fool. And so back then, names carried so much weight. They didn't um, just serve as an identification, but they were an identity. And we see this uh, with other names, like Adam, literally translates to man. He was the first man. Abraham, father of nations. Elijah, my God is Yahweh. And Daniel, God is my judge. If you look at Elijah, God, uh, Elijah and God were so close that Elijah didn't die a physical death. God spared him, and instead, uh, Elijah ascended into heaven. He was taken up from the earth. He didn't die a physical death. Daniel, God is my judge, when others were judging Daniel based off of the decisions that he made to continue to pray to his God rather than the king, they judged him and threw him into a lion's den as his payment and his punishment. But yet instead, God shut the mouths of the lions and he wasn't judged by the people, he was judged by God. And so his name speaks to his identity. And so there are 16 names in the Old Testament that are uh, found as names of God. And some of them uh, are easier to pronounce than others, so I'm going to do the best that I can. Um, they're, what they translate to is beside them in parentheses, so if I can't pronounce it, I'm going to say what's in parentheses. But just to give you some kind of the context of how often these names are used, um, El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, is used seven times in Scripture. El Elon, the Most High God, is used 28 times. Adonai, Lord, Master, is used 434 times. Yahweh is used 6,519 times. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, is used once in Exodus 17. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd, is used once in Psalm 23. 
Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals, is used once in Exodus 15. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there, is used once in Ezekiel 48. The Lord our righteousness is used two times. The Lord who sanctifies you is used two times. Uh, the everlasting God is used four times. Elohim is used over 2,000 times. Uh, jealous is used six times. Uh, Jehovah Jireh is used once in Genesis 22. Jehovah Shalom is used once in Judges 6. And uh, Jehovah uh, Sabaoth is used over 285 times in Scripture. And so this begs the question, if these 16 names are used uh, for God, then why are there so many of them? When you, th- when you look at these names, you think, well, why, why does God have so many different names? And it's when we start to study these names that we realize that it's not God that has so many names, really, but it's how he's showing himself to his people. And so if names carry an identity with you, then God's names show you his identity for who he is. And so the first thing I want us to look at this morning is that God reveals himself to us through his names. Uh, In Exodus, uh, we see the story of Moses. And so Moses is born a Hebrew, but he's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, who's the princess of Egypt, and he's taken in and raised as an Egyptian. He later discovers that um, his people are being enslaved, and he actually kills someone because, uh, kills a fellow Egyptian because he's beating up on an Israelite. And so after that, he flees, and he finds himself in the desert, um, and he gets saved by this clan that lives in the desert, and he marries one of the daughters of the, per- of the father. And then he starts to work as a shepherd for the father, tending his sheep. And so Moses is out one day, right? He's tending to, his, tending to the sheep. Again, this is out in the desert. And he comes upon this bush that's burning. I've never seen a bush that burns and doesn't, like, burn up. So my f- first instinct was be like, man, I really need some water. And then the next thing that happens is the bush starts speaking to Moses. Um, I think if I were Moses, I'd be a little freaked out. Like, I've been out in the sun way too long. Things are talking to me that shouldn't be talking. Um, what's going on? But then it's later that Moses realizes that this is God speaking to him. And God is telling him that he wants him to send a message to his people that he's going to set them free. And Moses asks this question. He says, then uh, Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so, The thing is, the names of God are not given to us by people, by men. These names are given to us by God. We see that visibly here. God literally tells Moses to tell the people, I am has sent you. And what he's saying is that name I am is the Father, the God of your uh, forefathers, your ancestors. That is who I am. I am who I am is sending you, Moses, sending me. And so, going back to uh, uh, Shakespeare's quote, 
uh, in Romeo and Juliet. Names are not arbitrary. They're not just uh, nameless uh, power or anything like that. Uh, the thing with God's names is they show us that he is personable and knowable. And one of the ways his personality is known is through the giving of his name. And so every time a name is introduced, it is introduced by God. And what's so incredibly cool about these names is they're like portraits of God's character. Uh, one of the names is uh, the Lord will provide. God was telling his people at this point in time, I will provide for you. There's another name that is jealous, and God wants us to know that he is a jealous God. He wants us. And so all of the names that he gives to us are ways of knowing him better. Um, and when we know him better, the relationship changes. Think about it this way. If you get pulled over by a police officer, you address him as sir or as officer, you know, like that. But if you get pulled over by a police officer that you know, the relationship changes. Same way if uh, you go to, go to court and the judge that's sitting in front of you, if you don't know him, what's the respectful thing to say? Your honor. But when we're watching TV, it's Judge Judy, right? The relationship changes when the name is involved and there's that personable effect. And that's the thing with God's names is the reason that he gives it is so that way it's no longer a title, God is no longer a title, but it's a relational aspect. Because see, titles alone only imply a relationship of distance. And that's the thing. God doesn't want to be distant from us, and he doesn't want us to be distant from him. He wants us to have a close and personable relationship with him. And the way that we can do that is through knowing him better. And that starts with names. You see... A name implies closeness, intimacy, a bond of trust and love, and God wants us to relate to him as some, or he doesn't want us to relate to him as some unknown God, but as closely as possible. The relationship changes. And what's really cool is that each of his names give a little bit to his character. So his names describe his character. Just like in the Old Testament, with a, when a name was given, that was the identity of that person. It's the same way with God. His names describe his character. If we look at Psalm 75.1, it says, We give thanks to you, God. We give thanks to you, for your name is near. People tell about your wondrous works. And so, what are some of these characteristics that we can identify God with? Well, we can see them through the giving of his names. And so the first thing that we see is that his name is good. Psalms 52.9 says, I will praise you forever. For what you have done in your name, I will hope for your name is good. But then we also see that his name is great. 2 Samuel 7, 25 through 26, uh, this is condensed, but it says, do as you promised so that your name will be great forever. And then we see that his name is majestic. Psalm 8, 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
We also see that his name is glorious. Psalms 115.1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Then we see his name is holy. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says in Matthew 6, 9, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And this is when Jesus taught them how to properly pray. And what Jesus is saying here is that his name must be set apart. That's what hallow means. When you look at the word hallow, we say hallowed be thy name. What does it mean? It means to literally set it apart and to make it holy. And so what we see is that uh, to hallow the name of God is to regard him with complete devotion and loving admiration. And then the last thing that we can see is that his name is near, going back to Psalms 75.1. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. Men tell of your wonderful deeds. And this shows us that God is powerful, but he is also personal. And so when we look at all these things, when we look at his name is good, his name is great, it's majestic, glorious, holy, and is near, what what does that tell us? Well, not only does it tell us about his name, but it tells us about him. If his name is good, then he must be good. Your name can't be good if you're not good. So that means if his name is good, then he is good. Same way with great. If his name is great, then he is great. His name is majestic, he is majestic. His name is glorious, he is glorious. His name is holy, he is holy. And we see that all throughout Scripture, that God is holy. And then we see his name is near, which means he is near. And he's always near. When I think of this, I think back to two weeks ago when we took the students to summer camp. And... um, what an incredible experience that we had. It was, it was amazing. We felt God almost every night. We felt the Spirit in the room, and it was just amazing. We could feel that He was near. And because He was near, there were decisions that were made for the better. We had a student come to salvation in Jesus. We had a student stand up and accept the call to ministry. And then we had six students stand up and say, I've been living a life full of unrepentant sin, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to turn from that sin, and I want to start living my life right again. And if God wasn't present, this wouldn't have happened. And it all led up to the culmination on Thursday night, which was so amazing. Someone asked me earlier, because we were talking about the wedding and everything, and they were like, are you a crier? And in typical scenarios, I'm not. Like, I don't cry at movies. I don't cry at music. I don't cry at TV shows. Like, I don't cry easily, right? But every night at camp, God was doing something, and I cried. Because I saw the goodness of God. And one of the things that he was teaching me at that week while he was teaching the students is, I am faithful. And it was so impactful because we started off the week in a, in a rough spot. It was a hard start to the week. We had some things happen that it was like, man, this really shouldn't have happened. I don't know how God's going to move through this. Don't ever say that because when you say, I don't know how God's going to move, he's going to blow your mind. Every night, I am faithful. I am faithful. And Thursday night, I saw that faithfulness explode. 
Everyone was crying. There was not a dry eye in the room, including mine. And it was just so powerful. We saw the works of God and we felt Him close to us. And so all these things, His name is good, is great, majestic, glorious, holy, near. We felt those. We saw them. We witnessed it that week at camp. And it's not just a week at camp, but it's every day of our life. Every day of our life. And, and the reason why it should be that way is because his name deserves the praise. His name deserves the praise. Daniel 2.20 says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. And Psalm 7.17 says, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. His name deserves our praise. And that, that should be the number one reaction and response that we give. You see, most people today, they use uh, God's name um, when they say, oh my God. Or um, if you watch <laughs> World War II movies on the 4th of July, it's always Jesus Christ this or Jesus Christ that. There's a commandment in the Old Testament that says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And how often do we do that and not realize it? But instead, we should worship and we should praise the name of God. That Thursday night after everything happened and everybody was crying and, and, and just standing there in a circle at camp, we were, we were all like, what are we going to do now? And one of the students said, I want to worship some more. Can we, listen, can we listen to one more song? And so we played one more song, and it was the sweetest experience. A room full of 30 people with no instruments or anything like that, just praising the name of God. And that should be our response to God when we experience His goodness, His greatness, His majesticness, His holiness, that should be our response. And this is really the real reason why we should understand His name, so we can know how to thank Him in our praise. If we don't truly know Him, then we can't truly thank Him, but if we truly know Him, we can truly, truly thank Him. And so I want to leave you with this question today. I want to leave you with this question. I want you to think about it. But who is God to you? God has already said who he is. I'm the Lord Almighty. I am God. I will provide. He's told us who he is. But this morning we have to decide for ourselves who is God to us? Is he our most high God? Is he the all-sufficient one? Is he the master, the Lord of peace, the Lord who provides? Is he our father? Or do we just turn him into a thing? Put him up on a shelf and only come to him and ask for help and call upon his name when we need him. You see, God knows us by our name 
And so in turn, as believers, we should know Him by His name. His name is so great and so good that it was literally turned into flesh and bone and sent to the earth to make a sacrifice that nobody else could so that way we could have a closer relationship with Him. Because of that name, we have salvation and forgiveness. And so it's only right that if He knows our name, that we should know His name and we should give Him the praise and the glory. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for each and every single name that You have shown us and given to us that we can know You and identify You through. Thank You for the willingness to share those names with us so that, we, that way we can know Your character more and more intentionally. Thank you for the relationship that we can have with you through your names. It's in your name I pray. Amen.